Ellisol Chit Chats aims to make information available for everyone. The podcast transcripts are on ellisolchitchats.wordpress.com for the hearing impaired and those who'd like to read instead. Thank you for engaging. Alrighty then, we're back. Guys, things are difficult, but okay. <laughs> Let us do this. This keeps me optimistic, so... Hi guys, my name is Renith and welcome to A Little Chit Chats. And today, the question that I'm posing is, who is telling these stories? Well, it's one of the questions, either way. So, I read a BuzzFeed article about people who don't like the portrayal of themselves in films and a particular one that stood out to me was Mamuini Madikizala Mandela's case. Apparently, according to this article, this BuzzFeed article, Mamwini didn't like the fact that they romanticized her story. On top of that, Jennifer Hudson wasn't allowed to meet her because they thought it would be distracting for her. Also, Mamwini wasn't allowed near the script and they said the film was without any influence from the main characters. Immediately, I thought, well, this is not your story to tell. The fact that you don't consult the person who is alive and well about the portrayal of their life is an atrocity. And it's stealing. To put it bluntly, I feel like it's stealing. If you're not going to at least try to tell a story as accurate as possible, one of someone else's life anyway, then why tell it? What's the point? That's something you need to ask yourself. Why am I telling this story if I'm not going through the lengths of telling it as accurately as possible? Something that you know is real, based off of someone who's alive, or someone who lived, someone in general. It also came to mind that, okay, Hollywood has a way of telling their stories, right? Granted, your movie, your rules. But this is about a South African heroine telling the story of South Africa in a way that will be deemed enjoyable by a Western audience. I thought I shouldn't say enjoyable, but thinking about it, the film isn't to inform in any way if they won't go to the lengths of making it as accurate as possible or perhaps consulting the the people who they want to portray, if they are available, of course. How does that make any sense of course we as south africans are going to be maybe a teeny bit upset at the production and it will never be good enough because it tells one of our stories using the method of hollywood that said this week on the audience perspective this week I wanted to talk about Pupinongena. I actually thought long and hard about what I wanted to say about this film. I didn't have anything to say initially. I was like, okay, Renith, you can talk about this and this and that. And I can't do an episode if I have nothing to say about this film. Not because I didn't enjoy the film. I did. But I don't know, I guess at the time, I hadn't thought any deeper about the film or that I was going to watch the film again. 
it happens where you really enjoyed a film, but you just don't have anything to say. But um, I was going to do a review instead of adding some commentary. And the harder I contemplated and as I did more research, I came to the conclusion that this is probably the only South African story that I can think of that tells the story of someone who lived during the struggle of apartheid who wasn't quote-unquote a struggle hero or at least someone who was as zoomed into as people such as Mamwini herself. Bobby Nongena is also purely a South African production with a South African cast and crew. It has won 12 awards at the Silver Scarum Film Festival and is a film that was positively received by critics. Christian Olwachen is one of my favorite South African directors. My favorite, actually. <laughs> I thought about, hmm, should I say he's my favorite South African director? But the reason why I didn't want to is because I don't want you to think that I was going to be biased about this film. I'm not biased this isn't actually my favorite film by him, but it had a lot of what I like about his style in it. This film tells a story about a specific woman, Bobi Nongena, who struggles to keep her family together during the brutal laws of apartheid era in the 1970s. The film is based off of Elsa Yubar's book, Diswar Fiore van Bobi Nongena, which is based off of the real story of Ndombizo Dumo Yunis. Her husband is unfit to work because of illness and so she isn't allowed to stay in the country because of a law that says that she is basically an illegal resident. They say in the film if she, if the husband hasn't worked for 10 years, I think, I think it's 10 years, I don't remember quite well, then the wife must go back to the homelands. The crazy part is... Poppy was born and raised in Cape Town and because she married someone from, let's say, those homelands, she can't stay in her birthplace anymore. How insane. I feel sorry for everyone who had to live through those days, but I cannot believe the struggle of being a woman at all. The fact that a woman had no agency. The fact that her husband gets to stay and she just has to go. And she asks in the movie, why does the woman have to be punished? Why does she have to take it? Why can't she stay? Because she is the one who provides for the family. Valid question. Being a woman is something else. Has always been. Anyway, this story is about this one specific woman. But in addition, this is a story of many ordinary South African women who live through similar situations and who are not as celebrated as the ones we learn about in history class. I think I like the fact that this wasn't about someone who everyone kind of knows. Unless, of course, if you read the book. But also, I'd like to think that this is a more relatable story. This one you watch wanting to know what is happening on the ground level without anticipating how the, st how the story is going to turn out because obviously you didn't hear about it or read about it in history class or in the newspapers, maybe. But I'm such an emotional wreck. I watched the film on my own the first time. It was actually about 12 o'clock to 2 o'clock when I watched this film in 2 o'clock in the morning. Um... But I watched this film on my own the first time and it didn't sink as much 
until I watch it with my mom. I like to watch things by myself, but there are some things that I like to share, which I think are better experience watching with someone else. So this is one of those films. I watched it with my mom, and she really liked it. And there were parts where I sat, my tear ducts about to explode because I got so emotional through parts of it. It wasn't a happy story at all, and I think that's what made it feel so authentic for me. Because even when I kept wishing that something good would happen, I was like, mm, "This isn't Hollywood. <laughs> This is it. This is what happened." Though not a hundred percent accurate, but not everyone gets the happy ending in a film. The reality of the general situation in South Africa was there. So I was good with that. So when the film was done, I was kind of curious as to who said what about this film. Although I knew that this was based off of a novel, I had the thought in my mind that this story couldn't come from nowhere. You can't write such a character if you haven't been in those shoes. You can't spring them from your imagination. And that's when I found out about the real Poppy. I wanted to know whether this person was involved in the making of the film or the writing of the book. Unfortunately, Miss Msutuana Nsada passed in the 90s, but she worked for Alsa Yubar's family. So she sat telling Miss Yubar about everything, which ultimately resulted in this book. It's natural for me to be curious. We can tell us <laughs> our stories as South Africans, but still the question is who is telling the story what with our rich in cultural background country and are we doing justice to each other while doing so so about the production itself i also wanted to know who watched the film the language is mainly afrikaans and is it closer because poppy is bilingual her entire family speaks afrikaans as they were raised and this is their home language But they do speak Xhosa sometimes, and the people in the township are Xhosa as well. There is a scene in which parents have a meeting with the teenagers, and all of it is in this deep, deep Xhosa. And I'm thinking, wow, like I don't understand half of this. Like I have to read what's going on. How did this man direct this scene? I was also curious about the script. I'm actually very. Very curious about multilingual films and series. Is the script written in English and then translated, or is the script in all of the languages involved? Anyone know how that works? Please leave me a comment. I don't know. Educate me. So last year I asked if people only watch films and series in a language that they understood, and 67% of you said no, and I thought about the other percentage of people. I guess I never thought about a film such as Poppy Nongena, which tells a story about a black South African woman in mainly Afrikaans. A film that tells a story about you, but could potentially be in a language that you don't understand. And I'm talking specifically about a South African film, because obviously there are films that are told in whatever languages all across the world about certain people. But then I, I obviously thought about here at home. 
This is a story that a lot of older South Africans would relate to, except that some of them wouldn't be able to watch it really because it is in a language that they may or may not understand. Not everyone likes reading subtitles. Not everyone can read subtitles due to obviously a whole bunch of reasons either. So it becomes difficult to tell such a story that is meant to be seen by everyone, but can't necessarily be seen or be watched. I also don't think it would be fair to adjust the story's language because it wouldn't be authentic. This woman was bilingual. Mm, this just had me thinking about it. And lastly, what I actually thought about the film, I really like this film. As I said, I'm a Christian Olwachen fan. I love his style. He comes from a theater background and this is something that he's incorporated in his films. The first film I saw of him was Johnny Asni Duetni and I was obsessed, like immediately obsessed with that film and I still am, I'm obsessed with everything about it. And I wanted to see more because this was the first time that I noticed a director using a long shot. I'm pretty sure I've seen films with long shots throughout the entire thing. But this was the first time that I actually noticed like, wow, they didn't cut at all? But how did they do it? I should actually do a review on that film. Because of his background in theater, he uses long shots. So this is something that he called, like that he puts into most of his films and he used it here as well. I think what really felt like theater for me, like for real, was the meeting part. It felt like all these actors are here, it was well rehearsed, we aren't yelling cut, and we're just gonna go for it. Okay, go. The way in which most of them delivered their lines yelled stage actor to me. The way the stage, the way was the scene itself was staged. It felt to me like my high school drama productions where all of us had a line if you weren't a lead role. It would also be two groups against each other, those debate type of situations. And yeah, as I said with this scene, the framing was also quite tight. So you'd see someone emerging from the crowd. Everyone goes quiet. This person says their line. The crowd is hyped <laughs> because of what this person said. And then someone else comes to speak and they all go quiet again. And then it repeats, you know, now my turn to speak. I'm not mad at that. I think if that's your style and you keep it all throughout the film, then I can tell, okay, this is your style. You know, it doesn't feel weird. It was different in Losing Lerato and Don't Bash Me. But the entire film is film acting. And then there's that one scene in the bus that felt like I'm watching a stage performance. I appreciated it very much. But it just felt odd because it was just that one scene. Go watch Mbongeni Gemma's productions. There's a balance in both acting, like the both types of acting, I think. Because he used to be, he's a playwright. He's he's theater person. I guess that's it. If you'd like to check out the film Pupinon Gemma, you can watch it on Showmax. It's worth the watch, not only for the story itself, but some great performances by South Africa's mix of renowned actors. Clementine Musimani. Anna Mart van Amarve, Nomsa Nene, who actually played the role of Bobby Nongema in the stage play. 
I love when they do that. Like, that is so great. <laughs> One thing I noticed about Christian Olvahan's films also is that you'll see cameos of most of the actors that he usually works with or have worked with in the past. Even if they have exactly one speaking line. So you're kind of like, oh, hey, it's you. And then later you see another one and you're like, oh, you're here too? Who else is here? <laughs> so it kind of felt, it feels like this, I wanted to say reunion, but yeah, don't mind me. <laughs> Have you seen the film? What did you think? Any commentary? You know where to find me, so I'm here to hear whatever you have to say. But my side, thank you for lending me an ear. Please continue to support our South African artists and help to grow our industry. I'm saying ours because it's ours as South Africans, not just the few that are actually part of it. We contribute to them doing whatever they're doing as well. So let's just continue to support. Happy weekend. Please take care of each other, cherish one another, treasure the little things. I promise you'll look back and they are the ones that will make you smile. Hasta luego. Take care of yourself, Seeds. Hi, Raineth here. Around the time that I started my podcast, I was told by someone that they wanted to start a podcast too, but they didn't know how. Well... It has never been this easy to share your thoughts with the world, certainly not in limited characters anyway. I joined Buzzsprouts because I wanted a podcast-friendly environment that will have the work that I do with every episode. I'm not looking back. Buzzsprouts is home to 100,000 podcasters. It's an ideal choice because not only do they give you detailed analytics to show how your podcast is doing, They'll give you tools to promote your episodes and an easily accessible podcast website where anyone can listen to your podcast. And because they think of your listeners' needs as well, the website will have a directory of where your episodes are available as well. If you'd like to try your hand at podcasting, Buzzsprouts is an option to consider. You can use the link in our description to check it out. You will get a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan and in addition, help support our show.